So I was just talking about Miss Emma wanting to come to church and, and worship, and then um, she was over there playing. And I says, "Time for worship. You already play. I want to play with ponies, Dad." <laughs> so uh, sometimes she's the perfect illustration, and sometimes she uh, <laughs> the other way. But aren't kids great? I love kids. I love our children. I love the kids of our church. Um, years ago, a woman took her four-year-old granddaughter to big church for the first time. At that time, kids stayed in another room and then came finally when they were old enough to big church to worship with the adults. And she sat quietly looking around, taking in every aspect of the service with attentive curiosity why they do these things or that things. And then the pastor said, let's pray. And the pastor prayed, we thank you, Lord, for your presence. And the little girl's eyes got wide open and she popped her head up and she said, you hear that, Grandma? We're going to get presents. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Even on a deep theological level, yes. The presence of God is here and we also receive presents from God, spiritual gifts from God. Aren't kids great? They're awesome. Now, there's a time where you get frustrated with your kids and you say, I love them, but I can't be around that one right now. I mean, it's just the reality of things. And then we work things out and everything is good. Um, but today we're going to talk about kids. We're going to talk about children, our response to Jesus Christ, our mission to disciple young people. Um, but before we do, I want to ask you a question. Do you care about your children's eternity? Even for grandparents and great-grandparents, do you care about your child or your grandchild's eternity, their soul? As a church, do we really care about the souls of children? Do we think about that? And the reason I want to ask that today is as we set this up, I really want you to be thinking about that. Do I really care Am I kind of just getting up in the morning, doing life as normal, and yes, I bring my kids to church, but are you really concerned about their spiritual well-being in the long run? And are they being discipled? Uh, are you teaching them to follow Jesus? Now, our scripture has been read this morning. Uh, I'm going to read another portion of it again to uh, reemphasize it. Um, but this morning we are going to recite 2 Timothy chapter 3 uh, together as we do from time to time. And we say this when we do. It's not just that church makes you say things you don't really care about or mean. I want you to care about it and actually mean it. So together, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is useful to teach us what is true. To make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. Amen. All right, let's get into the Word. Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. Now they were bringing even infants to Jesus. Now, what do infants do? <laughs> snotty, stinky. <laughs> um, but they were bringing the infants to Jesus that he might touch them. 
And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them, obviously. <laughs> Keep them away, right? It's, these kids are loud and noisy and messy. We're going to get into that. But Jesus called them to him, saying this, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now, even that, within this great text we're going to get into today, I want you to be reminded about what Jesus says. He talks about who can get into the kingdom of God. He also tells you who cannot. So there's times where unless you do this, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Unless you become like children, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Let's pray together this morning. Father in heaven, we love you. You are our Father. We've learned to come to You. We have full access to You to come to the Father and with confidence uh, to seek Your will, um, to make petitions. And Lord, as we ask according to Your will, You will grant these things. And Lord, we pray that we are learning um, also that it's not about self-righteousness. It's about recognizing that we are sinful and we are to be remorseful of our sins as we come to you in repentance. And you save us. We are born again. Uh, we are transformed. It's not just about this superficial forgiveness um, that you do forgive us of our sins, but you are in the business of recreating, making us new in the likeness of you that we have turned from the old ways and turned to your way. And today as we learn about kids and your kingdom and how we're to let them come to you and not to hinder them, I pray that you give us wisdom and discernment and how we respond with our own kids and, and grandkids, uh, how we are working to disciple children to come to you, to be followers of you, uh, Lord, that they are uh, being saved, and uh, Lord, that we are demonstrating your love and grace in the home. Bless your words as they go forward in Christ's name, amen. What a wonderful passage of Scripture. I'm glad it's here. I'm thankful that Jesus takes time to make a point that the children are important and that He wants to touch them. He wants to bless them and bless the children of our ministries. So we're going to deal with that today, and there are four major things taking place in the passage here. And the first thing I want you to see is that there is a major misunderstanding about children and ministry and God. Verse 15 again, now they were bringing infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. And, and you know, um, you have to think about the death rate in the first century it would be huge. That women uh, would die in, in childbirth, that kids would be born and shortly after die. So no doubt people wanted to bring their kids to Jesus knowing that he heals. And knowing that he is the source of life. Uh, and so people did that, so Jesus would touch them. But the disciples rebuked the people. Now, to their credit, I want you to know that people were always following Jesus, and they saw that he needed a break from time to time. He would get away into a deserted place, a place alone to pray to the Father. They knew he needed time alone. He wanted to be with the Father often. He saw people pestering Jesus. But he stops at this point to say, no, no, it's not. Don't keep the kids away. And it's this awesome moment where people are just coming to Jesus. He's sitting there, and, uh, and here it is. They're bringing not just kids. Kids are following Jesus with their parents anyway, but they're bringing 
infants, newborns, for Jesus to touch them. And I love that. That Jesus wants to bless the little children. That Jesus wants kids involved in the ministry. And at times, yes, Jesus did need rest and time to pray, um, but He wants the kids to be involved. The problem is that this mentality, what the disciples were doing, has indeed affected the modern church. And I can look back just over the decades when I was growing up in church and things that I've seen, and I like to share with my church um, just real things. And sometimes I will share a real thing and it's going to hurt your feelings, and it's not my point. It's not why I do it. What will happen is you identify with a certain generation and some bad things took place in those time periods, and it's not just to say, hey, that generation was bad. It's just to point out some of the bad things. There were good things that happened in the past. Uh, people took ministry serious. There's some bad things that happened. There's some good things happening today, and there's some bad things happening. And I like to speak to both. But many churches felt like children were a nuisance. They were tucked away uh, in children's church. Now, I like the way we have adapted here that kids come and they're learning to worship with the family. And there is a time where kids need to be put aside where they can learn in their environment at their level. It makes sense. Um, but for many churches, it was to get them out of the way because they're a nuisance. They're bothersome. They're loud and all these things. Um, a close friend of mine um, was called to go to a church, and when I share this, I want you to know these are real churches, real people I know, real situations. So he was called to go pastor at, in Asheville, North Carolina, the Nazarene church there. And the church used to have over 200 and something people in attendance. When he got there, it had, it had gotten down to 70 people. And he felt led to go there, and he had asked us to come and visit, and we had visited there. And to be honest, we walked in, and it felt like a funeral home. And my, this, my friend was younger than me. I mean, he had all this energy. He runs like marathons and stuff, you know. And I was like, what in the world? But most of the congregation was old. He walked in. It smelled like a funeral home. There's the podium there that you're, you're supposed to sign in. You remember those. And everything just had the feel of old. Now, I can overlook those things if the mission and the message is there. And, and so we were being a part of the service and everything. The music was old-timey, everything. And I was talking to him and we we're, were discussing these things. And he said they were having a prayer meeting on a Wednesday night. And I want you to hear this. The elderly people started to weep and cry. And this is what they were praying. Lord, bring the young people back. It wasn't that this, the church was just declining. It was that they had made all these traditions, all this old school stuff so important that it pushed the young people away. And they realized what they had done. And they were weeping with tears. Forgive us for what we have done. Bring the young people back. Um, obviously, we don't live in the first century 
And a lot of the families during that time that existed had large families. It was, you had a kid, uh, and it was an economical thing. It wasn't just, uh, we want extra kids because we love them so much. It was like, we have another kid, they can work at the farm. You know? and, but they had large families. They would add on to the house. They had another abode as their families grew. And so kids were around all the time. And so people were used to hearing the noises and the sounds of kids. And what has happened into, um, in American Christianity is we try to make the sanctuary some kind of uh, you know, theater kind of a situation where there's silence, that you can't have any sounds that distract you. And I want you to know that I would rather have a screaming baby, some crying and some coughing and all those things, than quiet dead people. I want life in the church. We want those. Now, there's a time where a kid may be misbehaving and they need to be taken out because they're a big distraction. I get that. We need to recondition ourselves to quit seeking theatrical or theater quietness. Shh! You know, you hear a noise and a new lady is coming to the church. She has her kids. They've never been here before. They're going to be loud. Maybe she's a single parent. And everybody's like, that's the worst thing to be doing. It calls them out. What's that noise? You know what it is. It's a kid. <laughs> you know. um, but we want to be a people that understand that. I'm learning. I'm conditioning myself. There's times where, I, like I said, I'm like God. I want to hear from my kids. There's other times where I'm inoculated. I don't hear that anymore. Daddy, 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 daddy. Huh? Daddy, I've been calling you. I didn't hear it. I don't know. What I'm just, I can overlook some of the sounds that kids make. Um, Many churches have died rebuking people for bringing their children. And the kids run around up and down the halls and make noises. I've watched this, guys, for years. And I've talked to pastors and the things going on at their churches. Of course, again, there comes a time where an unruly child needs to be taken out. But the main thing is that children should, be, should not be a distraction. They should be a blessing. We want the blessing of God. We want life. We want Children. Jesus wanted the children to come to him. Our present culture at large finds that children are such a nuisance that they encourage women to kill them. Now we tuck these little issues in a carpet and you'll go to some of these liberal progressive churches that don't preach salvation anymore. By the way, if you go to these churches, they're not being saved, by the way. You can't be saved unless you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're preaching the culture's values, if anything, you're telling people to remain the same. But here it is, the big issue, the issue of life. Our culture says it is a right to murder a kid. Do you know why they say that? One is because there is a movement in, our, in the world to kill off population. They're concerned that population growth is going to destroy everybody. I mean, there's all kinds of things, and I could go into a long discussion of globalization, and you're going to think I'm some, some crazy conspiracy theorist person. There's an evil in the world that wants to kill children. And this is what they said. If you have a kid, it's going to ruin your life. You won't be able to go to college and party with your high school friends and ruin their life <laughs> like that. Wasting years and years on college and all the money and maybe get a career. Now I'm for education. My point is, is they're saying, you won't get to have what everybody else has. You're pregnant at age 18. By the way, years ago, people got pregnant at 15 and 16 when it was allowed. And they had families that grew and loved God and everything was fine. 
But they're saying, well, you won't be able to live a life, and that is a lie. Um, the UN, United Nations, is trying to promote health care around the world. Do you, understand, do you want to know what they call part of health care? Abortion. They came to a village, and this is what they're doing, by the way. They're hijacking funds. They're saying, if you don't adopt this progressive mind frame, that we will not give you aid. It's happening in our country and around the world. If you don't adopt the federal mandate, we take back aid. In other countries, if you don't accept their movement, and they're trying to come into villages. And I watched this conference, and this African woman stood up, and she said, you're trying to tell us to abort our children that they're a nuisance, that we'd be better off without them. In my village, when a child is born, we rejoice because we love children. But our culture is telling us that children are a nuisance. And maybe God, this is something else. And I think about how, I share this all the time, that Jessica and I did everything backwards first. And God can make those things. He can turn them right and correct them, by the way. But maybe you had kids at a young age to prevent you from going off and doing some of the stupid stuff that you could have done. But you had responsibilities to take care of kids. Um, the disciples rebuke the people for bringing kids, and Jesus corrects them. And this is what we want to see here, is that Jesus has let the children come to me. Verse 16, but Jesus called them to him to correct the disciples. Let the children come to me and do not hinder. There's two things here. Let them come, don't hinder. For such belongs the kingdom of God. And wonder one, what a wonderful declaration. A command. We get, you know, we always think about the Ten Commandments kind of a thing. This is a command. Let them come to me. Do not hinder them. I love that. Jesus wants the children. Children matter to Jesus. They should matter to us. They should matter to the body of Christ. It wasn't just about adult issues. All these people are coming to Jesus, worrying him to death about, you know, my brother, he wants inheritance. He's like, man, I'm not dealing with that. Bring the kids. <laughs> um, let's, let's have kids involved in the mission and the ministry. Jesus wants them to come. Now, I have this picture here. I love this uh, because obviously Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, all races, all nations. Jesus wants your kids to come and be with Him in His presence, to learn of His life, to be discipled, to be in eternity with Him. And we should do everything possible for our kids to be brought into the presence of God that they might believe in Him and develop this relationship with Him. Now here's the deal. Again, children are messy and they are loud. They're sticky. Emma, you know how Emma comes down here and worships with me, and I'm holding her on my shoulder, and uh, I would go home and take my suit coat off, and I'd look over, and there was this slobber, like snot dried, and she would dig in and wipe her nose on my shoulder. It's ungodly, <laughs> but, but I, want, I want the children to come. They're sticky. Emma gets a popsicle. Dad, I want a hug. She hugs, and then she's stuck. You're like, what are you doing? Go wash your hands, kid. They're boogers and boo-boos. Kiss my boo-boo, Dad. I was like, <laughs> I'm not kissing that thing at all. Um, man, kids are, ex the thing is that kids are excited about Jesus. They love the stories and the miracles. They get it. 
our minds are so distorted that we will come into a Sunday school class and we want to question everything about the Bible. The kids are just, if I was to teach uh, on Daniel and the lion's den, kids are like, there's lions involved? They want to listen. Adults are like, ah, you know, that didn't really. I, I, I have some questions. I have some questions with this. <laughs> kids are like receiving truth. They like, man, how did they, sh- did God shut their mouths? You know, what is going on? They're interested in these things. They love it. Um, Jesus walked on water. Well, that's physically impossible, Pastor. I've studied physics. <laughs> it's like, miracles do, but children are like, wow. <laughs> You know, Jesus did these things in miracles. Uh, We need the energy of children in our churches. We need their life and imagination and their passion. If it wasn't for children believing and following Jesus, the church uh, would not continue. I want you to know, I love all ages. I think you want a homeostasis, a spiritual homeostasis where there's all ages involved. Um, But if you allow one group to take control... And control the direction in every single thing, it will run the young people off. You can stomp out their passion and energy, and that's what we're, we're not in the business of that. Churches that are made up of mostly older people are going to die. I want you to understand that. If you go to church, you're like, man, they're preaching the Bible. Everybody here is amen, and they're singing all the hymns and all this stuff, and everybody's 70 and above. What's going to happen in a few years? Think about it. And, and I want you to know this. If that church looks like that, what are they not doing? They're not discipling. Who are they to disciple? Who's there? They're not discipling the people in their 50s and 40s and 30s and 20s and on down to the children. Another church in North Carolina um, used to have over 300 people in average worship attendance on a Sunday. And just 20 years ago, it was that high, and now it's also down to under 70 people. And this pastor came and gave his, uh, his report at an annual district meeting, and we, we look forward to hearing these, and sometimes they're very embarrassing to hear. I had a pastor this week tell me one of his pastors was shouting at one of the, we still sing the hymns and not none of that liberal music. Guess how many people are in his church now? 20. This church, this pastor gets up here and he says, I've had to do 30 funerals in the last year. 30 funerals. The church had become a funeral home. That's all they were doing. That was the ministry for a year. And I was thinking, man, my heart went out to the pastor because that's hard and everything that has happened in that. But they're dying off. They're slowly dying because they make tradition and all the stuff. There's people still passing notes around we have to sing hymns. All this other stuff is liberal. They, they have to do these things. These are, I missed decades ago. You're missing the fresh life of new songs. I love the old. I love the new. But guess what? When the, the old ones, they were new at one time. And they had to start singing them. Wow. And here it is. People are fighting over those things. And if they take control... They would turn the church into a funeral home. And it would just be people slowly dying off. And I, again, I love, I love all music. I think Jay does a phenomenal job leading us in worship and having a good uh, group of music for us to sing as a church. Um, what a sad situation there. Now here's a survey. I want you to hear this. 
I love surveys. Y'all are probably like, numbers boring. <laughs> but, I, you know, I'm always reading this stuff. And so the International Bible Society indicated in one report here, one survey, 83% of all Christians make their first commitment to Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14. If, you're, if there's no young people in the church, and 83% of all Christians believe in Jesus between ages 4 and 14, what are you missing out on? You're missing out on evangelism and winning new people to Jesus. That is the primary group of when somebody gets saved. It is this window of time where the child is innocent and they're willing to receive the teachings of Jesus Christ. They've not reached, per se, that age of accountability, and they want to follow. So 83% of all Christians believed when they were children. Now, they may have gotten more discipled as they got older, but they made that initial commitment when they were little ones. Another survey, a survey done by a Barna Research Group, indicated that American children ages 5 to 13 have a 32% probability of accepting Christ, but youth or teens age 14 to 18 have only 14% probability of do, doing so. After age 19, they only have a 6% probability of becoming a Christian. Where do we need to emphasize the love and grace of God and the truth and the gospel when they're young? Now, we're all here to get to be discipled, to learn about Jesus, but you have to realize how this works, that some focus needs to go into the young people. That we are to let the children come to Jesus and do not hinder them. Parents, bring your children to Jesus. He loves them. I want my kids to encounter Jesus. I don't know what the future holds, but I want my kids to, to follow Jesus. He wants to give them his life. He wants them to say yes to his great Commission, his, his mission in the world for kids to be involved. Decades of kids have missed out on saying yes to the calling of Jesus because people made everything else more important than eternity. They made stuff more important than the mission and their eternal life. As a father, I want you to go and, and have fun with your families, but make faith a priority. At church and home. Um, if you can't be here, and this is post-coronavirus, if you want to call it post, it's going to keep, it is the new flu. It's always going to be an issue. It has radically affected all things. It has exasperated people that were already making church an option. So you could have a church of six people and one of the kids have a cold and oh no, it could be something. And so they don't come. Now, when we first launched streaming online and coronavirus first, and they were forcing us, the government doesn't want churches to meet anyway, regardless of coronavirus. But when we first launched streaming, it shot up. It was lots of people were viewing. And we could have, um, you know, 60 people out on any given Sunday. But the streaming numbers stay about the same, 10 to 12. And what has happened is even if people are staying home, they're not even streaming the service. And I want you to know, you're teaching your kids about that. You're passing that on to them. That worship is not a priority. And it should be a priority. Even if, you, even if you're sick, worship. Even if you're on vacation, worship. I remember somebody sending me a, a message years ago. We're in Yellowstone streaming the service. I was like, I don't know how you got internet. <laughs> you know, it must be a God thing. You know, but uh, we should stream. I mean, an hour. We have podcasts if you want to just listen to the message, but teach your kids to set 
and listen and hear the teachings of God. It's interesting to look back on the life of Jesus. His parents brought him to the Passover feast. If you know, he was age 12. They would come. It was a family priority to come to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. But they would go to synagogue each day or throughout the week anyway, so it was normal worship. And the parents, uh, Joseph and, and Mary, make their way back home, and they realize, whoa, Jesus is not with us. They're still learning to parent. <laughs> they're struggling. Uh, and they're like, where's Jesus? Oh, no. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Don't post that on Facebook. So they go back, and they find him at the temple courts listening and learning and asking questions. Jesus. Imagine if we taught our kids to, to listen and to learn. Uh, so that means even when the parents were done worshiping, Jesus still wanted to worship and hear about God. Now, here's the thing. Emma is part of the show this morning. This is illustration. Um, but Emma's crushed when she can't come to church. It is wild. Oh, <laughs> you know, our kids want to be here. It is important. It's part of their pattern of life now. It's part of their spiritual rhythms. And uh, even on Wednesday nights when we bring Savannah down for youth group, she wants to come. And she got this new plush toy. It's a, it's a fox. And she named it Todd after the fox and the hound, Todd. And she said, Dad, Todd's a teenager. Can he go down and be with the teens? I want to be with him. She was so desperate to come down here. She wanted her toy to be a teenager, to be with the youth, because she wanted to be a part of the church stuff. Children naturally want to come to Jesus. It's adults and oftentimes uh, parents that hinder them from coming. Jesus has already said something very strong about this, and it's not just Luke, it's recorded in Matthew. I want you to hear this, Matthew 18, 5-6. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Awesome. If you receive children, you're receiving Christ. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fast around his neck and drown in the depths of the water. Jesus is saying, if you're hindering these kids, it is a bad thing. I've had kids that I've baptized who believed in Jesus and they were just uh, innocent and, and pure and their parents destroyed uh, their faith. Now, how can we help children come to Jesus and not hinder them? Important. Let them come. Don't hinder them. First thing, I have a few things jotted down. Make the things of God important and special. Uh, let your kids see you preparing to be a part of this thing, that you're singing at home, that you're looking forward to it, that church is not boring. This is something awesome. Second thing, let them see you love the sacred things of God, that the sacred things that we've been passed down as Christians that are important. Let them see you following Jesus, that you have a relationship with Jesus, not just religion. Let them see that is in your heart. And I want you to say one of the things... One of the things that will damage or hinder kids from coming to Jesus is hypocrisy. If you've got all that religious stuff on the outside, no Jesus on the inside, they are going to see that, and that will destroy their faith quicker than some uh, you know, bad influence in their life. Four, make dinner, time, make dinner time at the table important. I mean, one time we, had, we were in an apartment so small we didn't have a dinner table. We all kind of sat in the living room and ate together. But make that time important again. Sit down. It's hard to restructure your life. Pray together. Uh, read scripture. Uh, pray over your kids. Gather your family to pray for others. Teach your kids to pray. Not just how to pray, but to do it. That it is part of their life. Um, six, let them serve and help with you in church activities. Don't just tuck them away. Tell them to sit over there. Have them involved in serving as well. The next thing, number seven, turn on a Christian station in the car. 
sing good Christian songs, worship throughout the week. Um, sing, we, you want your kids to know the songs. One of the arguments when they were shifting from hymns to newer songs and the screen was, you know, we don't know those songs. Learn them. Sing them with your families. Uh, eight, hang out with other Christian families. Protect your kids from bad influences. Uh, good Christian books and movies. Read things about God. Read Christian stories. Watch Christian movies. And some of them I know are cheesy, but watch the good ones. Um, verse, uh, verse, yeah. Um, nine, good Christian books and movies. Ten, churches. Um, show love and grace to kids and young mothers or new families. Let them get acquainted. They're going to make some noises. It's fine. I'd rather have them than no noise. Um, give to make children's ministry better. Uh, give toward the cause of connecting with young people. Pray for and be patient with our young families. When you see young families trying to pursue Jesus, it is harder than it's been. There's everything in the world to pull people away. Pray for them that they take hold of Jesus and that they bring their families to Jesus. D.L. Moody said this after a life of ministry. If I could do it all over again, I'd give it all to children. You want to know why? Because when you're dealing with adults, you have to fight them. You have to battle with them. Kids just naturally, come on, come to Jesus. Yes, we want it. Learn about Jesus. In closing, children finally are a testimony. Matthew 18, 2 through 3 again. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them, the child, and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is radical. Now first, children belong to the kingdom of God. They are supposed to come to the kingdom of God. So we should make every effort that they would have full access to Jesus. We should not prevent them. The other thing is that children have something that the average person doesn't. They have a simple faith and they trust. They don't have to ask where the food is coming from. They understand it's provided for. It's naturally that they have faith and trust. Little ones will follow you. They have complete trust and a big portion of their life as it's lived out is fully depending on others. And we should fully depend on God the way children do. And yes, they're interested in the things of God. Have you noticed? Again, who calls most of the problems in a church? It's not kids. Kids ask honest questions because they have a curiosity. They're inquisitive about the things of God. They're not asking to oppose or asking to understand better in classes. Um, Jesus says here, turn and become like children. What a testimony to us. A lot of churches have run young people out. What did they run out? They ran out the testimony. Come, become like children, which means that we maintain the wonderful and beautiful characteristics and qualities of children that this sinful world tends to beat out of adults. Adults can be grumpy. I have never had a kid come to my office at the church. Pastor, can I have a little bit of your time? I have an issue. I've never had a kid ever do that. It's always an adult, and they'll complain, and I just need five minutes of your time. It ends up being 30-something minutes complaining about something that's meaningless. Kids don't do that. 
Come and become like children. Adults hold grudges. They don't forgive. They're spiteful, anxious, and fearful. What are children like? I want you to see this. They are adventurous and courageous. Um, People are afraid to do new things in church. Kids are courageous. Let's do it. They have tenderness in their heart and conscience. Uh, Openness about emotions and feelings. Creativity and imagination. Wonder and awe about God. Joy and happiness. Hopeful. Playfulness. and They're humorous. (laughs) Uh, They're trusting. They're easy to forgive. Uh, Your kids will forget most of the stuff you did wrong, but you will keep track of everything everybody else does wrong in your life. They're easy. They forgive. They have an undying love, boundless energy. They have some kind of nuclear reactor within them. Um, They're willing to learn and grow and always thinking the best about life and other people. These are just some of the qualities of kids that have been stripped out of us as adults. And here again, it is. I want you to see this. Church, let the children come. And do not hinder them. I'm going to ask Mary to come, and she's going to play a little bit with us, um, some piano. And uh, We're going to ask you guys to come. And come with your families, and maybe you're a grandparent, and your kids are not here, your grandkids, or you don't have kids. Maybe there's somebody else you want to pray for. But I want you just to come this morning. We're going to come and, and pray over our families. So we bring them to Jesus. We do not hinder them. And we become like children. Let's come and be like children.